This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. I'm Odette Youssef, in for Sasha Ann Simons, and this is WBEZ's Weekly News Recap. Each week, we take you inside the biggest local and state stories of the last seven days. Stories like these. Illinois is now one of the first Midwest states to provide over-the-counter birth control. Look, I may not have gotten every decision right, but at every step along the way, I followed the science. This morning, we had a meeting at the ATF headquarters to launch five gun trafficking network strike forces, which we're going to attempt to take down uh, these gun trafficking corridors. Lightfoot's proposal would expand which types of zones allow for dispensaries. After an emotional debate, the city council late today voted to create another police oversight panel. The responsibilities given to this commission will provide our residents with an important opportunity to hold our police department accountable. Joining us to give context to those stories and more, WBEZ investigative reporter Dan Mihalopoulos. Hey, Dan. Hey, Odette. And with us for the first time is Aaron Haggerty, City Hall reporter for The Daily Line. Welcome, Aaron. Hi there. Thanks for having me. So let's start with City Council. They made history this week, voting in favor of a civilian oversight board for the police department. Aaron, what will this board of residents look like and what kind of power will they have? Yeah, Wednesday City Council meeting was pretty jam-packed. Um, so this uh, um, civilian oversight framework will have two kind of pillars, I guess. Um, one will be these uh, directly elected uh, district councils in each of the city's 22 police districts. And their exact responsibilities aren't spelled out, and that'll kind of be up to each community to work out. But they'll do on-the-ground work with each community and, and get input from residents on what they want to see out of the police department. And they will help to choose members of the seven-member citywide commission that will have a lot more responsibility. They'll be able to um, hire and fire the chief administrator of the Civilian Office of Police Accountability, or COPA, which investigates police misconduct. Um, They'll be able to make recommendations on candidates for the police superintendent and members of the police board. And they'll also be able to approve policy for the police department, though the mayor would have veto power over their approval of police policy and and the city council would in turn be able to override the mayor's veto. But um, I think both um, parties are kind of looking at that as a win. Dan, uh, I want to turn to you because you have so many years of experience watching the Chicago Police Department, multiple mayors and city council kind of dance around this issue. What, in your view, has made these changes significant? 
I'm not sure that they will be, and I don't mean that to be skeptical uh, or, or even cynical, but, you know, Odette, both of us have covered uh, enough things in, in Chicago to know that essentially this is a top-down uh, place. All power emanates uh, from the fifth floor historically or, or from City Hall at the least, and the idea that that power is going to be turned over, particularly on something as sensitive uh, as police reform, where you have still enormously powerful interests like the police union working against it, I think the devil will be in the details. Time will tell if it's truly significant. May it be as significant as the mayor and some of the activists are saying. Uh, but I think of things like uh, other issues, such as zoning, for instance, in certain neighborhoods, what gets developed, what gets built in certain neighborhoods. All sorts of aldermen have made committees that will uh, supposedly influence that or dictate what they do. Um, that's how it's sold to us. At the end of the day, though, is that really what's happening? In many cases, I don't think anybody wants to be used here. I think there are plenty of people that want to be involved sincerely and authentically to reform the issues uh, that need to be reformed, and there are many, but will that be uh, successful and will it be implemented really in a way that does empower people? Uh, I think it would be significant, certainly, if that were to become the case. So as the city council moved towards police reform, Aaron, some police accused of wrongdoing made the news this week. Can you tell us some more about that? One officer, uh, Nicholas Stella, um, on Thursday was sentenced to 15 months in prison. The Sun-Times reported that he was the third person um, sentenced for playing a role in an international gambling ring that was uh, based in Chicago. Prosecutors said that he failed to uphold the oath he took um, as a police officer, and Stella admitted he was guilty before his sentencing. Dan, I want to turn to you. Um, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland, who grew up in Lincolnwood and graduated from Niles West, was back in his hometown yesterday. And it was just hours after three mass shootings, including a highly publicized shooting of a party bus in the tourist-friendly Old Town neighborhood. So, Dan, tell us what the attorney general did while he was in Chicago. So I think what he did literally was was meet with uh, top elected officials here and also with some people in the community that are are trying to deal with issues of violence. Um, He was in uh, North Lawndale at a church there where they have some programs to try to basically um, interrupt violence and deal with uh, gang problems in those neighborhoods. But I think the larger goal here, when you look at someone who's the top law enforcement officer for a Democratic president, is to rebut the notion that's very popular in Republican and other right-wing circles that, you know, the Democrats want to run the country, but they can't even run these cities. Why? Because the proof is no more convincing than the violence that occurs Mm -hmm. in big cities. So I, I think the attorney general needs to show that, first of all, yes, they do care about these problems in Democratic-run cities such as Chicago, and they're doing something about it. So, you know, one of the things that they're doing is, you know, they've announced these strike forces um, to target the sort of gun prevalence here. Do we know anything about what these strike forces will look like and what they'll be authorized to do? 
Yeah, I mean, the goal apparently, you know, as it's stated, is for the strike forces to disrupt the flow of guns into the city because so many of the guns that are used in the crimes, in the shootings, and, and homicides in Chicago are coming from neighboring states with weaker gun laws. They're coming from the, the South, as the mayor pointed out, and, and from states like Indiana, which don't do as much as Illinois, frankly, to crack down on gun crimes. What these strike forces will do, actually, and how they're different from what was being done under President Trump or what's been done historically in terms of cooperation between local and federal law enforcement, I think they were a little bit vague on that. Um, and then, you know, Chicago has their own effort that they were launching right before they came to town. But Mayor Lightfoot believes that these strike forces, as she put it, will be a game changer. So let's turn our attention to Governor Pritzker. Back in March, he gave back $35 million to his own campaign. And then just this week, he formally announced that he's running for re-election. Erin, any surprise around that? I'm not surprised. It seems like people have a good feeling about how he handled the pandemic. You know, I think he noted that this week. So, I, no, I'm, I'm not entirely surprised that he is, is running for re-election. Yeah, Dan, maybe you can weigh in on on this question of reelectability. He was the person that was responsible for mask mandates um, that became such a partisan issue across the country. What do his prospects look like? Are there any challengers that we know of at this point? Yeah, there's a number of Republicans that are lining up to take him on. I, I don't know that there'll be anyone of any significance in a Democratic primary. Uh, we certainly haven't seen that surface yet. And I'm not really sure that there's a serious Republican challenger to him. Uh, the one that's gotten the most attention so far is Darren Bailey from um, far downstate, uh, from a place called Louisville. He was the one who went to court to try to challenge uh, Pritzker over uh, the lockdown and over various things that Pritzker did to try to deal with the pandemic uh, going back to last year. And uh, he's the one who is sort of downplayed really the threat of, of the coronavirus. And so that's probably a popular viewpoint where he's from, uh, and he's a state senator. But uh, is it going to be something that, that gives him any traction statewide? I think there are a lot of Republicans that disagree with him on that issue and on many other issues. So I think it's interesting because, A, Pritzker has going for him the fact that he has more money than anyone who's shown that they're interested in being governor by far. And B, I think the Republicans are in a bit of, of disarray themselves. I think we talk about the divisions between Democrats who are more to the left and those who are more centrist, like Pritzker. But we also have big uh, differences within the Republican Party between their far right and, and, the, and the moderates. And so, um, you know, I, I think that both of those things work toward Pritzker running in. I haven't known anyone who runs for office with the express purpose of just serving one term. I think being reelected for him will be a symbol of some success. Dan, the governor also made news yesterday for signing legislation to make birth control pills available over the counter. The only other Midwestern state that allows this is Minnesota. Is the governor wading into some controversial waters with this? In Illinois, generally speaking, uh, I don't think so. There's certainly some people that won't like it, um, you can imagine. But uh, I think in general, no, I don't, I don't think uh, this is anything but positive uh, for him. As a man who's in the governor's office, especially as a Democrat, I think the support of women voters, whether they're um, 
you know, core Democratic voters or, or swing voters maybe in suburban areas. I think this only helps him with them. That's WBEZ's Dan Mihalopoulos. Also along with us on the recap for the first time is Aaron Hegarty of The Daily Line. Dan, Aaron, let's get a little preview of some of the other stories we're hitting this week. University of Chicago has done it, so of a growing number of Illinois universities, a vaccine mandate. Tonight, Mayor Lori Lightfoot stands behind her decision to rock on with Lollapalooza next week, although she is threatening to reimpose restrictions if things don't improve. Chicago City Council has given the green light for a plan to transform the old site of the Michael Reese Hospital campus on the south side. It's over. The Bucks have done it. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot says the city's park district does not need extra resources to investigate claims of widespread sexual abuse among lifeguards. Dan, you've been spending a lot of time digging into a story that impacts us all in the summertime. It had to do with lifeguards in Chicago and now in Evanston as well. First off, what's the latest on what's happening in Evanston? ago that we reported on um, widespread complaints of more than 50 lifeguards and other beach workers in Evanston, which has six beaches on Lake Michigan, of course, they filed a petition saying that they had been um, witnessing or personally experiencing in every one of their cases some awful instances of sexual harassment, even rape. Now, that was brought to attention of people in Evanston at, at City Hall close to a year ago now. And yet um, nothing really uh, had happened beyond sexual harassment training, and they never issued an apology, which is what the lifeguards had asked for in the petition. We published that story last Friday, and they hold a special meeting the very next day of the city council. And a couple of days later, uh, on Monday, I think it was, they came out with the announcement that uh, they're taking this very seriously and they're hiring an outside law firm to investigate. We also found out that um, the top HR person at the city was put on paid administrative leave as a result of, of this situation. And what about the lifeguard scandal involving the Chicago Park District? Where are we with that? So at the same time that all this was going on in Evanston, there was an inspector general's investigation uh, that began 16, 17 months ago now in the city of Chicago into substantially similar allegations. That also went on in secrecy for a very long time. In April, we reported on that investigation. We reported on some of the first findings against uh, male senior lifeguards uh, who were um, accused uh, of this sort of behavior. Uh, but in Chicago, um, there's been talk that the, the Park District's Inspector General is really uh, understaffed to deal with something of this magnitude, which really is unprecedented, because they're looking at dozens of cases. And uh, this week, Mayor Lightfoot said, well, I think that that's not the problem. I don't think it's, it's a problem that the that the inspector general is understaffed at the park district. And she opposed the proposal from a couple of other aldermen who want city government's own inspector general, you know, which is a separate agency, to join in on this now uh, 17-month-old investigation because it seems to be dragging um, amid a lack of, of proper resources. Mm, sounds like these two cities are handling this very differently. I yeah. would say so, definitely. Um, I want to talk about the Michael Reese Hospital and the sale of that site to some developers. Can you tell us the backstory on, on these 50 acres of lakefront property? 
Yeah, so uh, timely enough with the Olympics opening ceremony today, the city bought the former Michael Reese hospital site in Bronzeville under the leadership of Mayor Daly in hopes that it would win the bid for the 2016 Olympics. But uh, as we know, Chicago lost the bid and um, the site has sat vacant. And so, yeah, Alderman gave the green light to three um, different pieces of legislation that, that set up this development to begin. People have referred to it as the former Michael Reese hospital site, but Alderwoman Sophia King in the fourth ward has made it pretty clear she she wants it to be called the Bronzeville Lakefront. Mm. What's the plan for it now? All right. So it's going to be um, a, a pretty big mixed use development. There's going to be this ARC Center, which is going to be anchored by this uh, medical research company, Sheba, and it's going to also include about 5,000 residential units, about 1,000 of which will be um, built as affordable on site. There's also going to be senior housing on the site, and there's going to be a a Bronzeville welcoming center. The city is going to put um, $60 million from its uh, capital plan toward uh, improving roads on the site and uh, creating a, a public park. So there was some other South Side development news this week, which was that the Obama Presidential Center has found itself back in court. What's happening there, Erin? Construction is set to begin in mid- mid-August, and here we are at the, the end of July. A group opposing the, the center asked a judge uh, early, earlier this week for a delay in the projected um, start date. And this kind of comes out of a lawsuit that uh, Protect Our Parks uh, filed earlier this year in April, asking you know, for a review of the center's location in uh, you know, historic Jackson Park, and, and they want to put a stop to work that would, um, you know, have a negative impact on the historical and environmental context um, of the area. So I'm interested to see what ha- what happens because we're getting close to close to crunch time. Feels here. like the saga <laughs> that never ends, right? Yeah. Let's turn to some COVID news. We're all, I think, feeling like we want to put this behind us, but the reality is that the Delta variant is fueling a rise in cases nationwide and also here in Illinois. Dan, should we be concerned about hosting Lollapalooza in a few days? We have to remember that it's outdoors, right? And that makes a huge difference. Um, It was a little more than a year ago that I was out there for WBZ covering the May 30th, 2020 protests, which obviously devolved into bit of violence and a lot of looting. You know, of course, I was concerned then being unvaccinated. But now I think being outside being vaccinated, having a lot of people who are vaccinated, although not enough people who are vaccinated, um, I think that's reassuring. Uh, I also think when we talk about the rise, it's it's rising now and it's concerning because it's it's growing from having dwindled so so dramatically, but it's still not at the peaks and and, and waves that we saw earlier in the pandemic. Yeah, you know that even Governor Pritzker said he's going to be rocking out at Lala. Did that surprise you, Dan? Well. Only in that uh, his musical preferences align with (laughs) the acts that are going to be performing at Lala. Um, I think once they made this decision, again, knowing that the numbers are not nearly as high as they have been, um, knowing that a lot of people are vaccinated, I think that there's a a sincere reassurance going on there that uh, this will not be a super spreader event. You know, Mayor Lightfoot and the governor, you know, signaling that, you know, something's going back to how they were before, you know, in hosting Lollapalooza. 
But at the same time this week, uh, Mayor Lightfoot also, uh, or the city, added several new states to its travel advisory. Are we getting mixed messages, Dan? No, I don't think so. I think it's a real concern that in some other states, I think it's no coincidence that places with low vaccination rates are seeing the resurgence of the coronavirus. I'm I'm more concerned about uh, some nearby states, uh, such as Missouri or parts of southern Illinois, uh, where the the vaccination rates are far lower than they are here, and the the numbers are going up. uh, Could that spread to us? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I've never been a big believer in these travel advisories, even from earlier in the pandemic, because obviously they're not enforced in any way. I think it's a mixed message. I do think that there are other areas where um, the lack of of people being vaccinated causes me certainly to pause from wanting to travel there with my family. Yeah. Aaron, uh, the Chicago Public Schools um, made an announcement this week about what masking protocols will be for the coming school year. Can you tell us more? Yeah, so uh, the district announced on Thursday, yesterday, uh, that it's going to require students, teachers, staff, everyone to wear um, masks, regardless of whether they're they're vaccinated or not. Um, that's when school starts in the fall or, or I guess next month at this point. But it's something that uh, Chicago Teachers Union had been uh, pushing for, and um, it, it the interim CPS uh, chief executive officer. Uh, Jose Torres uh, wrote a letter to parents and he explained that, you know, maybe students will be able to remove their masks for, you know, when they're outside for things like recess or sporting activities. But yeah, this is going to be a requirement when students and staff go back in the fall. Um, They're also, I think, going to try and keep kids distance, though. I don't know. I've not been in a school recently, but I'm sure that's uh, difficult to do. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Dan, are you in Milwaukee? No, I'm back now. I took the train. It was just a day trip. Yeah, what brought you there? So we're big fans of of Giannis at our house. I mean, you can tell from my last name that I'm Greek-American. And uh, so Giannis at Okumbo, the the star of the Milwaukee Bucks, we've we've gone to quite a few games up there over the last few years. He's the first uh, Greek MVP, and uh, now uh, he's – MVP of the NBA Finals. And, you know, it's a nice town to visit as well, by the way. (laughs) So, Dan, what are you paying attention to in the news for this coming week? Uh, Well, you know, I'm pretty much absorbed with these dual uh, investigations going on in Chicago and Evanston. There have been a lot of developments in those investigations of uh, of abuse and assault against uh, lifeguards. Um, And I do think on a news basis, I could be wrong. We're always upended in our plans by various indictments in, in politics here, but I, I think it's we're, we're settling into a quieter phase um, news-wise than we've had the last couple months, possibly. Can I hope for that? <laughs> There's always hope. It springs eternal, as they say. Aaron, what are you going to be uh, paying attention to in the coming few days? We're coming up on the, the city council's uh summer recess, so to speak. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm also hoping for something a little quieter, but ward remapping should begin, is it, you know, mm-hmm. set to begin soon. And I am interested to see how that plays out. I've not been a reporter covering Chicago for a ward remapping. So I'm, I'm really interested to know, you know, the nitty gritty details of, you know, how many people are in a room at once, you know, drawing these ward maps and, and will Alderman, uh, you know, take feedback from this kind of community commission that was set up to hopefully influence or, or draw a ward map. I want to see how that plays out. And, you know, 
soon soon the city's budget season will start so <laughs> i'll keep It'll an eye on that again. as well yeah yes. that's aaron haggerty city hall reporter for the daily line and wbez investigative reporter dan mihilopoulos thank you both for joining us and that's this week's recap to really understand the stories behind the headlines make sure you hit the subscribe button and take a few seconds to give us a rating and review it really helps other people find us I'm Odette Youssef. Thanks for joining us this week, and we'll see you back here for a brand new Reset on Monday. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.